Most of us know each other. So my name is Sandra Mohan. Uh, I write in English. So I identify as a Dalit poet writing in English. Uh, it's like it's a form of like asserting one's own identity. And I have a collection. I had a collection. This is my latest collection, titled uh, Letters to Namdev. <coughs> so that's how the you know Namdev Dasal kicks in. Now uh, most of you would be knowing that you know Namdev Dasal is like an iconic Dalit poet. He was a Marathi poet, like. Dalit Panthers, etc., and probably he's like canonized as of now. Yeah, just a moment, Chandravan. Kindly mute yourself, and maybe after two three minutes, we'll stop your videos. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of ambient noise. Kindly switch off your microphone. Mute your microphones, please. Other than Chandramohan. Da. Da. Yeah, Arjun is also back. Yeah, so other than Chandramohan, kindly switch off your microphones. Uh, I think the host can mute everybody. And I know, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So, and, hello, can people mute, please? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Chandramohan, please resume. Sorry, there is some noise happening from somewhere. But everybody is off already. Ah. Ham boss, your Wi-Fi, your Wi-Fi off hai yar. Kya yar? Nine baje matlab Wi-Fi off karte ho. I don't. I mean, but just try to fix it, man. Chandramohan, you may please proceed. I'm muting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank God, Arjun is back. Probably I can hear him now. So, so you know, uh, as I've already told you, like I, I had titled my uh, collection of poems as letters to Namdev Das. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. So it's like you know. I've, uh, I've, I've sort of, uh, uh, I've sort of uh, titled my collection "Letters to Namdev Dasal." So uh, I have, a, you know, um, sort of love-hate relationship with him. So it's, uh, it's not that you know he's like an icon, and all writers, all next generation Dalit writers or writer per se, respective identity, they just idolize him. It's not that. No, like uh, people move on, people move on. And secondly, like I would like to know. What Namdev Dasal means to most of you, you know, how do you how you perceive him? Like, uh, how, if at all, you know, it has triggered any kind of interrogation to your own selves when you read him, etc. So I had initially like uh, sort of uh, prepared a questionnaire sort of thing, 
uh, questionnaire sort of thing and uh, shared it in the uh, in our whatsapp it basically like you know uh, what are your first impressions when you hear this name and like uh, you know what have you read about him like what are the adjectives or what are the you know what are what, what kind of connotation does his poetry have or like you know like just uh, just like the important observation made by ashwin in our class that Cla claudia rankin's collection was like you know poetry not not poetry by some by some of us like friends and then how how we examine it etc so you know, i like to throw open the uh, throw open the forum for like your views what do you think and you know so i request one by one you may unmute yourself and whoever yeah. wants to tell kindly tell them yeah so you know one of you could start by you know uh, so especially those who are from uh, those who have uh, roots in marathi like people like sukit or somebody like alexmita sahai who are in mumbai and they know marathi they might have a very different uh, you know what is it a visceral experience of dasal having listened to him in marathi somebody recite to recite to him in marathi or they have read stories about him translation may not know him so you know i like uh, i would i would request any of you to kick start the you know who is said about yeah chandramohan yeah uh, i actually have an anecdote to to, to tell about uh, yeah. dasal Sohit, can you please switch on your video? Because since you are talking, uh, yeah, one second. Whenever anyone is talking, can you please switch on your videos? Sorry, uh, because I am unable to switch on my video. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I am unable to start my video. I am really I apologize. Hey, yeah, it's okay. You, know, you can you can go ahead. I will see what's up. Okay. Maybe maybe the admin can do something. But uh, so I have an anecdote about Namdev Dasal because I had the uh, very uh, rare honor of meeting Namdev Dasal once. Um, I'm a I'm a journalist by profession and uh, I cover arts and culture. so basically uh uh i i actually visited namdev dasal at his home where he lived with his wife uh, at the time mallika amar sheik and uh, uh basically uh, you know he was sitting under a he was seated like a like a king you know he was seated, you know with with a very expansive body language in a in a in a very ornate wooden chair under a very very large larger than life size portrait of ambedkar ji and uh, so basically i managed to have a chat with him uh, about various subjects about his poetry about his politics which at the time was extremely controversial because uh, uh, because namdev dasal in the world of marathi arts and uh, arts and letters and in fact in the sphere of marathi words was as chandramohan pointed out never a black and white figure but a very very gray and polarizing figure uh his poetry was never ever under any uh, doubt you know everybody acknowledged uh, well most people that i know acknowledged that uh, namdev dasal was a great poet 
but uh, they were very confused as to his politics in the later part of his life you know uh, uh, i happened to ask him about that i happened to ask him whether he had uh, become closer to the shiv sena later on in his uh, uh, in his political life and he said no 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 i have nothing whatsoever to do with shiv sena and i i i have never had anything to do with shiv sena but but at the same time you know the journalistic community in bombay there were a lot of rumors a lot of uh, so called unconfirmed rumors about him that he was uh, he was moving rightward uh you know again these are these are unconfirmed uh, uh, but uh, but 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 i mean there are very there are some uh, there is some basis for those rumors which i would which which i cannot confirm but uh, and uh, then again uh, namdev dasal also uh, seemed to be extremely uh, well not extremely but he seemed to be mildly uh, put out by the fact that the translation of namdev dasal's poems by dilip chitre was called uh, you know namdev dasal poet of the underworld he said that underworld is a is has a very negative connotation you know people will take it in the wrong way uh, so here was a man who was struggling with not only his legacy but he was also struggling with his uh, image as such and uh, uh, he was uh, at the time when i met him he was suffering from uh, you know from a very from what i understand is a very painful disease he was suffering from uh, some sort of a skin condition and uh, so he seemed quite distressed because of it and uh, 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 i i definitely think that uh, you know uh, uh, he was a larger you know i i came away with very very vivid images of the man uh in my mind's eye and he was definitely a larger than life individual you know he could fill a room with his presence but he was far from but he was a very polarizing figure in marathi letters uh, right up to the very end and he continues to be thank you sri uh, the outlook article that uh, was shared i think this morning by chandramohan confirms i mean dilip chitra is writing that he had supported his party was supporting bjp shiv sena kumbai at one point So I think it was yeah. more obvious towards the later time. Okay, okay. Who will go next? Who would like to say impressions about the son, his writing? His so, so uh, those of those of you who are really familiar with his poetry, those of you know, uh, those who have um, uh, sort of read the book by Navayana, there are two books. One is the Poet of the Underworld. The other one is A Current of Blood. So those of those who are familiar with poet for his poetry, you actually think that you know. he he is a victim of a stereotype or like uh, he he could not write on issues that he actually wanted to write and he is consumed by rage so i remember that uh, there is a podcast by janais pariet in which she says how to write a protest poem in in which she uh, she mentions the rage of namdev dasal so he is easy getting pigeon holed into this this just this four letter word word so and like i like to pose this question to some of the women writers in this group that Uh, so uh, just like uh, a dalit writer is sort of pigeon hole to write about atrocities to write about ambedkar write about you know uh, constant uh, constant uh, entrenchment uh, his struggle with constant entrenchment of casteism are women writers forced to so, so i don't know are there stereotypes about women writers that the, the women writers in our group have encountered or like 
have they tried to battle out battle out battle it out or you know do they look at nam deva sal and have uh, a contrasting i don't know very very conflicting opinion about him i don't know i'll be eager to listen to uh, pervin or devamshi or smita over has something to add yeah chandra mohan so yeah. uh, regarding your question whether uh, being female there is some conscious or unconscious pressure to write about gender issues um there certainly is an expectation and there is a um it's also very natural of course to write uh, about these things because these are our realities but uh, it is easy to get slotted as a woman writer um and for the past few couple of years i have uh, consciously tried to break that uh, because when you're writing about gender issues you're not writing about women's issues you're writing about gender which all of us have so uh, but it's not seen as uh, a theme belonging to everyone it's seen, seen as a theme belonging to a certain minority so uh, so there is uh, a there's a, a decision or a, as much as possible uh, trying not to be for instance featured in uh, an interview that is uh, about women necessarily or a festival that is about women because um, i find that all of that further adds to this thing of uh, slotting a person one way or another and i'd like to think that issues of caste uh or race or gender uh, there are issues that are common to all of us and uh, we we need to see writers who approach uh, approach it to um to um to recognize that this is common to all of us even if it is about uh, gender or caste it's it's something that is experienced and true for um, all of society so so yes there is a pressure and women do uh, succumb to it and at some and we have various relationships with it at some point we go with it we make the most um we 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 go with that label there are times when we resist the label so we have complicated relationships with those slots as well yeah i think for me just going off of what parveen said i think recently it was I think it was hard writing about um Shaheen Bagh in particular because it was writing about women and citizenship or approaching the relationship between the two um and I think that not as a maybe not as a poet or writer but I think more often I've encountered that as an as an academic um person or as a person in academia where if I do something in gender and sexuality is considered typical by academia to do research in that field or um it's always considered in a very monolithic way or it's always considered as um a person of color or approaching this issue in this way um and it's considered to be you know just something for a very hegemonic setup to consume and to appropriate so i think that's something that i faced more in academia than in creative writing So Chandra Mohan uh, yeah. in my 
um, um, I, I, uh, I love, I love Namdev Dasal's uh, poetry. I unfortunately can't read Marathi, but whatever I've read of his translation, his words have the kind of uh, dynamic power to absolutely rattle you, shake you. Okay. Now, um, of course, yeah. the rage, the rage, the anger, this demand for, uh, this demand um, uh, that he be heard, his words be heard. And his words were often hurled like that, right? With, with, yeah. with some energy. So, yes, that is his signature, uh, one of his signatures in poetry. Uh, now, if, if he is uh, known for the rage that he brings out in poetry, um, instead of pigeonholing, I would see that as a, as, as a strength. Because I uh, do admire his work. I really admire his work. And I don't think that the quality of his poetry uh, was compromised because of his politics. Now, uh, coming to the second part of the question that you had posed about women writers, since I worked on this anthology, which was on women's issues, violence against women, which was called, which is called Veils, Halos and Shackles, there immediately came this immense pressure on me to only uh, write or speak or participate in literary activism of a particular kind. So I think, uh, I think uh, uh, you know, it's important. Uh, it's important. I think at one at 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 um, at a point in time, we, I think like going uh, going by what Pervin said and what Devanchi said. I think uh, you know there are times uh, within a moment, and every moment is not the same, where we kind of and not just women, each one of us, right? Because uh, I I don't see a, a heterosexual cyst. Caucasian male here. So I will say everybody, all of us, I think all of us, you know, at some point, at, at every point in time, we make, we make kind of an um, conscious or unconscious decision to go with, we might want to go with one, uh, you know, either our politics or our poetry. But I think the idea, the dream is to kind of ensure that, you know, your, your creativity, the craft, uh, your politics doesn't come in the way of craft, but rather strengthens and uh, Furthers its nuances. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an that's a very important point you're making. So I like to pose a very specific question to you. So since you know Marathi language, and most of us may not. Oh, sorry. No, no. Actually, I don't know Marathi language. Okay, okay, okay. So okay, I was under the impression that you know. I, I do. I do. Yeah. So th those of us who who know Marathi language. Who did have the you know audacity to try, uh, read him out in English language? Uh, sorry, in in, the, in Marathi first. Say for example, Golpita, Golpita in Marathi first, and uh, and now that uh, Dilip Chitra translations are canonized in the in the in the Anglophone world, would you like to tell us one thing that you think we should know about this? Well, uh, I don't have uh, the Marathi version of Golpita here with me right now. So I won't be able to read from it. But one thing... No, no, I'm not asking you to read the poem. I'm just asking you just one thing you should know, or like you have an opinion about Dasal, which only the person who's read it in Marathi knows, and it is beyond us. So there is this, this, there is this uh, observation or a theoretical argument made by Sartre. Sartre had this introduction to negritude poetry, in which he says the uh, 
this the specific traits of a community as the specific traits of a society correspond exactly to the untranslatable locutions of its language so dasal's language is very unique it is a it is a uh, uncouth marathi so there is a phrase in marathi language that he has used that is beyond anyone who doesn't know marathi would you like to comment on that yes i i do think so like for instance there is one phrase in one of his poems which is called rand ki punav jhali now uh, uh, it is absolutely to my mind it uh, it it is a futile endeavor to try and translate that phrase because you will end up losing more than you are gaining in translation because he is using uh, very very allusive language it is not it is very very uh, you know it is it is not uh, very straight uh, he he is basically using uh, an adjective randki which is uh, horish to talk about the dawn so uh, on the one so there are multiple facets of meanings that you can draw out of this so the translator's job becomes a massive pitfall it's a minefield trying to translate uh, namdev dhasa yeah thank you so anyone else would like to respond um chandramohan i have uh, like smita i mean i my marathi is almost negligible okay hello can you hear me yeah 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 carry on carry on yeah and i have not attempted to uh, i'm not even come across a marathi translation but of course you know i was reading through the poems and there is one called gandu bagicha mm -hmm. which means ask for curse garden Mm -hmm. right so <laughs> he uses these uh, very provocative titles and 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 i see this yeah when you talk about rankine and this this sort of a comparison and and uh, i was reading oh man exploding right yeah. i was going through all of that he talks about gang rape you know gang rape your sisters gang rape everybody uh you know the cunts of women this that and uh, and all of that and i i i i can't help you know compare him to uh, you know what the hungry lists are doing in a way you know the neo hungry lists in a sense uh, in the kind of language uh, and i'm and i'm wondering if this if this sort of anger is he what's he portraying is this his own anger is this his own language is this his own voice um uh, or uh, is he giving ventriloquism to the anger of uh the dalit community you know the people who have been oppressed because he also of course says that you know throw away uh you know all these religious books you know burn them you know burn the fucking temples everything uh and, and there you get it so there's a mishmash of so much emotion so much of anger so much of sexual violence in 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 this particular poem in fact you know and he says and why he says man exploding you know i, I don't know um why he doesn't say explode you know man explode or you know why why does he have to say man explode so i cannot uh, help bring in uh, you know sort of a feminist viewpoint into this and uh, i don't know i'll just let you speak to it uh, i think uh, hello yeah yeah we can hear you carry on yeah so you know i mean i think uh, this uh, i mean we uh, giving namdev dasal rape 
tag of you know representing the entire uh, dalit poetry i think it's it will also be unfair i feel because uh, ma- i mean the the marathi dalit poetry has uh, largely uh, boosted from the phule ambedkar movement and that has thousands of poets actually now you know each uh, gullies of bombay or uh, i mean dalit gullies would have one poet or the other now all of them also have you know very diverse way of articulating atrocities caste question discrimination and 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 diversity in terms of language as well now uh, i mean the crisis when we say that you know or the crisis when we make him as one of the dominant or the sole representatives of the dalit uh, frustration i mean dalit uh, articulating the frustration i mean i don't know i kind of feel that uh, when we say that it's the collective frustration it might not be that uh, uh, you know correct to say that it's a collective articulation because at the same time we have many other dalit writers both those who write fiction and those who write poetry and those who recite poems even in the villages and even in uh, cities also articulating in diverse uh, 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 ways actually now all of them also represent some or the other way the same frustration but quite uniquely than how uh, i think uh, uh, we were talking about like this over uh, sexual thing that uh, arjun was talking about and also some of the peculiarities of his own like namdev dasal's own uh, yeah yeah so i actually wonder how a poet or somebody you know a typical poet in our group those are listening to me right now who are also poets who who um, understand namdev dasal and in addition to that they are running they are, they conduct creative writing classes to master one's own ability to be a poet so do they feel a kind of distance i don't know, do, do do we feel like we live in you know very different an alternate world than what dasal did or like you know a lot of dalit writers argue for a very separate set of axioms to judge dalit literature so when 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 we encounter dasal so do such thoughts come to us or not so so uh, i was just reading up today about his background it seems he never i mean he just qualified high school he was a very intelligent student but never studied beyond high school because of whatever reason and he was never trained in literature so though he is he was very much aware about the world literature and uh, modern poetry of his times but he was never trained in literature and he lived and his first experience he wanted to live in a place where i mean he was living in a place he was like comment he was a commentator for the place called bolpita which was a red light district of mumbai at that point of time and extremely disturbed underworld people used to be living there and even now it's a very infamous place so he sort of became a tourist guide for many people for that place and many famous writers to put them around so is that coming in his uh, writing or expression this presentness that we see uh, is it also a result of not being so trained in school kind of you know not trained in school literature it's more of what i feel i write that kind of literature 
that is also a question that was coming to my mind when reading them that this seems to be very like the anguish is also the reflection of his ambience but the language he expresses himself is more of the language that he has possibly heard around Chandra uh, Mohan are you there because yes yes has, well, his screen has frozen so I was wondering yeah so his his articulation is more of the language of his own ambience whatever language he hears in his ambience is what he writes I cannot remember or immediately of any other poet who kind of reflects his ambience like this. But there were people in Bengal long time back who were who basically used to fight with poetry. Like you are a poet, I am a poet, so we'll have a poetic fight. You will tell something, I will tell something. And their language was the language of the street. It was the language of the brothers. It was the language of the you know people who burned their dead of of crematorium. That language they used to fight in rhyme. So there was a culture in which people used to fight in this type of language. So this language I read after a long time, after hearing that kind of song in language, language in song, I read after a long time. I, did, I have not heard this language in poetry. Uh, uh, I, I also think that, you know, I mean, uh, what Thapan was saying, see, uh, this, uh, 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 reciting poems on the street, th this angry uh, poems, there was a different crowd or uh, different set of poets apart from, from Namdev Dasal in Marathi, actually. For example, let's uh, think about Anabhav Sate. There were many others also who were not writing as such, but were singing mostly on the streets and, you know, uh, also responding to what was going on uh, at that point in time, especially in Bombay, as far as, you know, the, the mill workers movement is concerned and a lot of other things are, are going on. So I think uh, we might have to separate Dasal from that because I am not sure if Dasal went into street and he, uh, you know, sang his poems there. Uh, I guess he did not do that. We were that part, I think people were more aware about his biography, but it seems that, I mean, from his later life, that he had one life to express and one life to live. So he could compartmentalize that. So. May not be in the beginning, but definitely his life was different. But also, I know you must be, or many of you may be knowing that this expression of popular folklore or the folk, the folk tradition of Tamasha and which is quite popular in these parts of the country that also expresses in languages which are not very polite or not very uh, you know not very uh, let's say sophisticated so they use language in a way um, but that is a, another form so maybe they were all reflecting in this poetry. Uh, Tapan I, I just have a slight uh, thing to, to what you just said yeah. Which is, uh, you know, Tamasha basically, uh, in the first place, it is now considered a dying art. Because when, when movies came, they pushed it right out. And yeah, other yeah, forms yeah. Of culture supplanted it. Yes. Also, structural changes in Marathi, you know, Marathi-speaking parts where Tamasha was popular caused Tamasha to, to enter a period of decline. But also, Tamasha is mainly, you know, it uses uh, the erotic language to a yeah. 
to a very heightened extent. Yeah, yeah. It's more of double entendre, as they say. Cortesan. It is. It is essentially a courtesan sort of language. Yes. Uh, but what I mean, in my very very limited reading of Dasal, which is mainly Golpitha, yeah, in the Marathi. Okay. Uh, that was also a long time ago. It it, it it basically occurs to me that 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 Dasal is basically writing out of his milieu, his his aims and his program is completely different from this art form. You know, his his program is to, but he wants to show you his reality in a very straight, you know, in a in a in a very frank way. Okay. the way that he knows and uh, uh, you know uh, maybe uh, at at the time uh, that dasal was active there was a lot and, and in fact even to this day there is a lot of uh, savarna uh, poetry the the major publishing houses in marathi literature to this day are uh, overwhelmingly savarna okay uh, to the point that uh, one of i won't take names but uh, a few years ago one i, I recommended a, a a journalist's name to a, a to one of the publishing houses because they wanted true crime you know they wanted non fiction book and they said no no we can't have anyone with that surname writing for us okay We're talking of merely 10 years ago okay so, so even uh, to this so basically was writing in a place where there simply was no avenue for his sort of work okay and uh, he was writing out of a milieu which was so so depre so deprived in my opinion and so depressed that you know uh, his words carry an explosive charge to that because they come from that sort of uh, okay privation so was he writing was he writing initially for his kind of people to read or did he want his writing to be read by the savarna the people who are sophisticated what was the target when i wonder i when i was reading i was wondering who was his target reader at that point of time in the initial phase so if anybody knows about it he so, uh, sorry sorry to sorry to interrupt you were saying something chandramohan No, no, no. I'll, you can continue. I'll, I'll add, add to it later. Yeah. So I was wondering if anybody can address this. That was his readership in the initial days targeted to the people like him who are suffering the same kind of uh, trauma that he has been suffering, or did he want to carry his voice to the people who do not listen? Because it's this is, I mean, apparently this language is so loud and present that when you kind of have to make someone else because your kind of people are already listening. They know this language, but it seems like you are trying to reach far out. Will I be right in understanding that that he wanted to make himself heard beyond his circle, much beyond whatever his territory is? Yeah, I think I just want to respond to this. Actually, uh, I have. I mean, I lived in Maharashtra for la, la, like last one decade, and also quite uh, close to the Dalit movement. But I have never heard any. dalit singer uh, singing uh, poems of namdev dasal or reciting namdev dasal poems but what all i have heard is mostly of anna bausate vilas gogre and many others so i think i mean the dalit pander background of dasal also i am not sure if 
he was writing for those or to people to kind of get attracted into that kind of politics that he was associated at that point in time so i mean uh, i mean i think we should understand that it is not largely that crowd i think who uh, followed his poetry also now we have saran kumar limbale and all who also kind of make this point within the marathi literature uh, who ask you know i mean is it the only thing that the articulation of dalits or black or etc other identities will only be categorized as anger and frustration and so on so i think maybe we could get into some of these discussions by end maybe once we have looked into the, the poems yeah like i i like to say you know sort of add that a writer has yeah. absolutely no control over who's going to read it yeah, like okay. um, hmm. once a book is published it's for the you know it's for the um, uh, the reader to like yeah, but when you initially write you have something in mind like who do you want yeah. to so that's what he wants to express but once a book is published uh, it's not that you know it's written for dalits or it is written for activists or it is written for like you know okay. whatever Just, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. One time, timekeeping. One well, sorry, one timekeeping statement. It is already about ten. So yeah. just to remind that we are already about ten. If you want to get to his poetry, this is the right time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, maybe like uh, we could read. Uh, one of you could read uh, the poem. Man, you should explode. At least the first few, you know, maybe some ten lines or so. If that's something. Yeah, Ashwin. Maybe you could try. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll try and turn on my video as well. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, man, you should explode. Man, you should explode yourself to bits to start with. Jive to a savage drum beat. Smoke hash. Smoke ganja. Chew opium. Bite lalpari. Gazel country boos. If too broke, down a pint of the cheapest dalda. Stay tipsy day and night. Stay tight around the clock. Cuss at one and all. Swear by his mum's twat, his sister's cunt. Abuse him. Slap him in the cheek and pummel him. Man, you should keep handy a rampuri knife, a dagger, an axe, a sword, an iron rod, a hockey stick, a bamboo. You should carry acid bulbs and such things on you. You should be ready to carve out anybody's innards without batting an eyelid, commit murders, and kill the sleeping ones, turn humans into slaves. Whip their arses with a lash, cook your beans on the bleeding backsides, rob your next-door neighbors, bust banks, fuck the mothers of moneylenders and the stinking rich, cut the throat of your own kids and kin by conning them, poison them, jinx them. You should hump anyone's mother or sister anywhere you can. Engage your dick with every missy you can find. Call nobody too old to be screwed. Call nobody too young. Nobody too green to shag. Lay them one and all. Perform gang rapes on stage in the public. Let's talk. Yeah, yeah. So, any thoughts? So, what about the you know uh, abundance of cuss words? If I may, if I may, you know. raise that so uh, i was 
if i may say because that's why original is so important the original language will be even more present like in even more years the original and i'm saying i mean when this first words are being said so this seems to be quite common in some area but the way the emphasis is on sexual violence what arjun was telling is something that you know people of literary literary kind of uh, training will avoid i mean if you have to kind of give your work to a publisher you will try to avoid this kind of images but that was 1960s and 70s maybe the norms were different but even at any time to have this kind of poetry published and to give it to people to read is a different kind of mindset that's what i felt after reading this it seemed pretty unusual to have this kind of sexual violence in the poetry yeah anyone else so um see this kind of sexual violence is kind of a reality um um in a lot of places at least in india we still know that uh, uh, this kind of not just not just sexual violence but violence right um overall um it's it's um there's a lot of lot of caste based violence is systematically perpetrated and um, not just perpetrated but also you know it's it's kind of uh, harshed over by uh, the so called uh, establishment right so i um as a woman uh, as a woman with uh, feminist sensibilities um i don't simply see this as sexual violence i see this as uh, sexual violence uh, that that could um, that could offend me or other women this is more uh, this is more a backlash it's it's more like lashing out uh, at this systematized kind of violence and sexual violence which is meted out by certain communities to other communities so the doubt i had is that when he's saying that who and do this kind of violence who and rape who is he saying go is he telling people of his own uh, let's say of his own kind that you go and do something to the people who have tortured you all this while who are who is he addressing so uh, see the who is the man who is the man basically so so, so see uh, see the 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 uh, the syntactical structure of the poem is obviously imperative it seems that he's instructing someone to go and do this right but yeah. uh, so the only the only um, well i'll tell you why i uh, it i i don't get offended is that you know on one hand there's a reality of these things happening okay i mean on one hand there's there's these things actually happening in the world um um it's it's it's, it's a very open thing i mean if you if you've read like uh, you know um um mahashweta devi's draupadi or anything you see that it's it's uh you know the bosses will tell their underlings to kind of go and perpetrate a certain kind of violence i mean even uh, even uh, people who are working in for the establishment for the government and so on so we don't know who he, i don't know who is he talking to but uh but for me his response is poetry his response is not actually going and picking up a woman and raping her and throwing her in a well 
you see so 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 that way this is uh, this is anger finding its uh, its artistic response in some sense it is anger no doubt it's anger it's it's violence no doubt it's violence um but you know the thing is that he want i think see the idea is when we are writing these poems um uh when anyone is writing these poems angry poems they want the reader to feel unsettled um because you know because what's peace for you is not peace for this this poet for whatever reasons his identity and other things and so on and so forth what's peace for you what status quo for you is is not peace for him he's not okay with that that's how i read it i mean that's just my reading uh there were there were two crucial lines in this particular poem that came to mind uh the you know that sort of gave me a limited idea of who the audience might be he says fuck the mothers of the money lenders and the stinking rich right yeah so he is maybe instructing his fellow oppressed people to take revenge on the oppressors on the oppressors that's what i felt like that's what i felt like yeah it's like yeah. march ahead march ahead do this do that to the people who that hello did we lose arjun okay just give a comment yeah yeah please please carry on hello yes chandramohan we can hear you. i can hear you yeah yeah carry on carry on so i think arjun was making a point i was just waiting for him no 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 i've i've uh... i made okay. my point so those two lines were quite revelatory for me yeah yeah uh, but but also you know the way he ends in a sort of brotherhood of love everything else the ending is very different from the rest of the body of the poem yeah uh, i think it's it's is some kind of uh, a cry from the heart to retain one's humanity you know in the form of uh, in the in the face of so much of hardships uh-huh. like that. yeah no, there is a there is a underlying vision of like outlining of uh, his notion of justice and humanity that he is trying to retrieve retrieve even in pain so but what the interesting thing is like i remember that uh, some poems of ajmal or some some lines were critiqued for their political correctness i remember uh, meghna pointing out that you know comparing uh, an improvised child's collarbone to a Soma- somali child or like any kind of comments which are like quote unquote politically incorrect are today critiqued a critique uh, you know uh, they're opposed to the nail so how would uh, how would uh, 21st century feminist women uh, empathize empathize with ghazal's poetry written in the early 1970s now that we have one poem in front of us uh chandramohan yeah ah i want to sort of at this point uh, uh, talk about a tamil dalit writer bama um she's written a novel i mean she's also written an autobiography uh, in her novel i've not read extensively but i've read about her in her novel sangati she talks about women who are discriminated harassed and uh, suffer by the men in her community uh, so uh, she brings that again and again even in her autobiography and in her writings so i think uh, at this as we read uh, 
the, the poem, this poem, I think we have to probably also take cognizance of this absolute masculine images that he is using and bringing up that old man, man again, uh, which is very problematic because uh, I think it is not just caste. I think there are other issues also even within a community. So uh, I, I was somehow uh, thinking about uh, Bama at this point. Yeah. Anyone else? Also, Chandramohan. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, the only other Dalit poet I've read is not in the original, of course, because Meena Kandasamy writes in English. Yeah. But you see Meena Kandasamy's touch and the way she's articulating her anger, mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, that's that's quite quite different from. I mean, her pieces are of course very controlled. There is a you know distinct metaphor going on. Very nuanced. Very nuanced. Uh, mm-hmm. it just, it's not this, this is, this reminds me more of, you know, sort of the kind of writing which Bukowski would do, mm-hmm. in a sense, you know, Western comparison, you know, uh, this, this sort of rant, just going on this angry rant. And, and of course, there's a call for anarchy, which I see in this poem, mm-hmm. you know, burn everything, you know, throw all the Western philosophers into the, into the drain, uh, you know, so, so basically, uh, Maybe what he's trying to say is that it's so rotten, casteism is so rotten and so mm-hmm. pervaded that you've got to uproot everything. There needs to be complete anarchy and the complete destruction of society as we know it to start afresh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, so it's like a vision for a better tomorrow, post-apocalyptic. Pardon. But the doer for this... Um, new society, the one who will create this uh, this new reality after destroying the current um, uh, the current inequalities, etc. The doer is still man. There's man, man, man everywhere, and uh, it even ends with that. So it's as if uh, the man uh, he, he's imploring men who have, of course, perpetrated the violence. But now that you take it to such an extent that everything is destroyed entirely, and again, you will in that process rebuild society. So, so the agency still remains with man. So it feels as if, uh, even as he's, uh, it's clear that there is violence against one group that he is opposing, but the process of it also has violence against other vulnerable groups and uh, and, and that seems okay in the process of rebuilding this new society. And, and uh, yeah, when Pavan mentioned that against these other groups, I also think uh, there is homophobia, you know, there's a bit of homophobic element going on there because, you know, the very idea of Gandu or of ass-fucking, uh, you know, refers to sodomy. Right. And you see that, you see that everywhere. So, uh, you know, maybe if you, uh, uh, you know, maybe for, for, for someone who are queer were reading this, they would, they would feel very offended by those sorts of imagery also. Exactly, exactly. So I'd like to point out that, you know, uh, he was one of the founders of Dalit Panthers. Dalit Panthers was modeled after Black Panthers in America. And Black Panthers are very much uh, loath for their homophobia and sexism. It's an open secret. So, you know, we can read into it. 
and the anarchist trends as well i think which is which is also quite visible in the dasal's poems as also which i mean how we see that chandramohan why did you say that the dalit panthers were reputed i mean like were uh, notorious for their homophobia like how did that not dalit panthers black black panthers black panthers uh, black panthers like uh, majority of the uh, the cadres were like women but they've not you know i don't know i don't know right word acknowledge as their uh, leader sort of thing that like there used to be blatant sexism in the black panther party not dalit panthers black panthers in america number one number second they say that it's generally alleged that they were homophobic but you know we should we should like uh, engage with a writer or a movement as a product of their times so it, 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 today's uh, world sensitivity looks for you know uh, sensitivity towards every section of the marginalized society but those this kind of nuance evolved egalitarian sensibility may or may not have you know been articulated then in the 60 late 60s or early 70s so we should give some kind of you know benefit of doubt to dasal what do you all say um i think i mean you know i mean some of these things that sexism i mean that i think i mean if we look at many other languages as well for example if we look at bengali if we look at malayalam if you look at uh, tamil we would even see this these kind of language coming from even a non dalit writer isn't it so i mean i don't know so i, I, I think maybe we tend to uh, put it in a different box maybe when it come to a dalit writer and also along with the challenges of translation i think here i mean uh, i don't know maybe this will also be like a the Uh, feudal roots of our own vernacular languages and what happens to that when that get translated into english and then we become the consumers of that i think it's also a challenge for people like us who read in english uh, what we get from the vernacular i think yeah Chandramohan, I'm I'm wondering at what time he wrote this poem. You know, uh, I think this poem is from uh, Golpeta. Golpeta was published in 1972, I believe. Okay, so when did he publish this, and when did he publish Speculations on a Shirt? Because you read the two, yeah, very yeah. different poems. Yeah, they're different, different. So we can see some kind of evolution, right? Can yeah. we see? Like you know, what was an influence? I don't know. Huh? Uh, Gandhu Bagicha is much more later. So he he is he has garnered much acclaim. The persona or the profile of Ramdev Dasal is so great, mostly from Golpeta. Initial uh, initial collection is like Pomshil, uh, and he gets his glory, halo from there. So that is called Golpeta. But other other collections, apart from Gandhu Bagicha, I think the names of those collections are not even like popularly known. I believe because for me, speculations on a shirt, you know, just just such a beautiful poem in every sense. Mm-hmm. You know, just the way he begins, the way, the way he talks about sexuality. uh the way he talks about violence and the way he ends it you know as a message to humanity itself it's it's for me uh you know for me that works much much better than uh, uh than this you know this is this is uh so i mean i I'm, I'm, i'm also wondering about his influences who were his influences at the time was the uh, who who particularly influenced the sort of writing was it uh, i'm inclined to believe there's some sort of a ginsburg influence going on here 
yeah so in in one of his interviews he says he is he has uh, has been heavily influenced by european poets quote unquote european poets i don't know who which poet specifically but he says so i read today somewhere that he was influenced by octavio paz and he was of a kind of influence i don't know and this is one of the things i that's that's so surprising because you know paz wrote in a very very different way sense of aesthetics and and everything to pass's approach uh, so what, it was yeah. it was almost magical realist you know the way pass wrote no, when you are talking about evolution maybe when he started he did not know about all these guys but as got he it. became popular and as he got a little national and international then mm-hmm. because he presented his poetry in berlin he was a much traveled man as well so then possibly his later poems have got that kind of sophistication because of his reading because of his because he is a self taught man he is he has learned and he has read that that's how he has done so what was his occupation i believe he was like a full time activist yeah after some time initially it was some odd jobs and after that yeah. full time political he was a taxi driver when he meets uh, dilip chitre for the first time yeah 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 but they later on he is like a full time activist full time founder of a party and full time political activist yeah actually i mean towards the i mean what chitra explains in his thing that he used to live in a very sophisticated house and he used to drive a sports car so his lifestyle had completely changed maybe during his own way of getting fame and money and so on so did so did other you know a lot of dalits poor dalits especially who looked up to him at one point what they let down by this change of lifestyle and and uh, did no, they no, i don't think they will be let down by the change of lifestyle so they they also would be aspiring to live a bourgeois life probably but what they would have been let down was he did embrace shivasena so he, yeah. he joined shivasena to escape from 177 cases they were like 177 he was like a what is it a phasing trial in 100 on 177 different cases charged by the maharashtra government and there was no way to like there has to be a way of compromising you know? compromising with the establishments so as he can escape the you know imprisonment or whatever so he did join shivasena and he did write for the shivasena newspaper is called samna or something i forget yeah yeah samna he, he was he used to write for samna and uh, this guy what is his name uh, i forget his name uh, the patriarch of shivasena he did ask the editor not to, yeah bal thakre asked the editors of samna not to edit what he writes ियन is not a very moved politician is a very practical politician who is doing politics as career career politician yeah but uh, that is by the end right? like i think you guys were saying that uh, he became uh, like no, it, it was like an early it was late, late 70s early 80s so not yeah, towards the end which means yeah yeah which means uh, around the time i mean he is so you know they i mean some of them who were part of dalit panthers had this disillusionment and then they kind of suspend the organization actually so this jp pawar who was one of them 
who kind of later writes you know uh, how uh, he jp pawar uh, you know despite the invitations from shivasena he kind of resisted that but how dasal uh, uh, you know kind of got attracted there and also i think the monetary and other gains were also uh, drawn from that i guess from the shivasena kind of connection and then of course a lot of things uh, completely changes in his life so uh, i like i have a question to uh, this guy uh, prashant so probably uh, he he has heard of this uh, this controversy in kannada uh, literature which is popularly known as booza probably yes you have something to say uh, actually no i i unfortunately i mean i don't uh, i'm not a kannadiga and okay. uh, uh, my language is um, hindi and telugu so actually i uh, i haven't uh, come across this particular thing that you're talking about but maybe you could tell no, us i think the, yeah i'll speak after you finish yeah yeah anyway uh, no no i i was just saying that i'm not uh, very well aware of this yeah. particular so the the gist of the gist of the matter is that you know there was this dalit education minister who were in the in the in the in the in those times and he made a comment that all the savarna literature that has uh, been written till now in kannada language they, they, it's right. just booza booza means husk it right. is just you know some kind of by product based whatever after we uh, you know we know paddy from paddy from um, yes uh, husk it is yes. a leftover husk it is it's all bullshit so then it it caused a huge amount of uproar uproar whatever you know but it did have its impact it did galvanize the dalit movement it was a major moment but reading the dasal this particular poem my question is like somebody who who knows all these from day one who knows most of dalit who knows who who happens to be native marathi a native marathi speaker and who knows uh, uh, namdozas poem in and out he may or may not feel that a lot of the so called mainstream poetry that is thought on uh, in a thought or like whatever which is like canonized poetry he may feel that all this is humbug how do you you know how, how do any one of you like even think about it i mean i think there is a uh, i mean as far as i can speak for myself i think there is a very clear uh truth in that matter that there is a lot of uh sort of uh, there is a certain brahmanism which affects the culture of poetry in general and uh, i think one of the most like exciting things about dalit aesthetics and literature uh, is definitely the fact that it sort of appends a lot of our notions of poetry itself of what it's supposed to do what it's supposed to sound like and what it's uh, what even our ideas of nuance and uh, craft are in that sense uh, in fact they also in, in a sense redefine the idea of uh, of caste in some sense i'm uh, i'm not uh, in uh, sort of extremely well versed with namdev dasal's poems uh, but i mean in general if you speak about dalit literature i definitely think that there is a lot of um redef- uh, redefining that happens in in the idea of aesthetics itself especially if you think about aesthetics as a study of beauty i think what is beautiful itself gets reformulated in uh, poems like these and in other poems 
uh, however, uh, reading some of the Sal's works, I also uh, do find myself a little uh, uh, rather uh, uncomfortable with a certain masculinity which sort of expresses itself, especially uh, also in the context of reading uh, Malika Amar Sheikh's biography, uh, autobiography, I Want to Destroy Myself, uh, where you also get a sort of a rounder picture of Vesal in the context of uh, masculinity. Uh, but I mean, these are, of course, uh, likely dodgy terrains. Uh, but uh, because the thing is, it's hard to sort of make judgments, at least for me, uh, knowing that I also come from my own cultural privileges and capital. Uh, so I don't know if I can sort of make a comment per se, but these are my impressions per se of the idea of, uh, but if there is a, if the question is that, uh, is there uh, a sort of Savarna influence on the idea of aesthetics itself? Definitely, definitely yes. And uh, Dalit literature of, of various kinds ha in their own ways try to sort of puncture at least our uh, experience or our ideas of art and aesthetics. Would anyone like to add something to it? What I mean, uh, uh, are we are we just discussing the the, the up to the lines read so far, or are we are we roving across the whole range of the poem? I believe we'll look at it in totality, like, you know, it's okay. more about the vision than the, you know, literary techniques in each line, right? Yeah. So, so basically, I just want to uh, address the last part of the poem, which, uh, uh, you know, which is, you know, and uh, which is extremely uh, interesting because it says that you know, after this, all those who survive should stop robbing anyone or making others their slaves. This is a, to me, this is, that is the pivot line, which sort of raises a lot of questions in my head as to, you know, how is it, it, it in the first place, it is, it is, it is paradoxical. It is impossible to imagine for me, at least. Uh, that after this, all those who survive should stop robbing anyone or making others their slaves because after this, they should stop calling, you know, after this. So after this, after all this uh, bloodletting, after all this unspeakable violence has taken place, after this, suddenly everybody is going to be, you know, everybody should become magically beautiful and uh, peaceful. Yeah, so that, that's the a, that's a kind of utopia he has, I believe. So the, the pent up frustration has to be like let out. Yeah. Post that there has to be uh, a just world. Maybe that's what yeah. he thinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 that is why you know when I first read this poem, I uh, uh, by the time I reached the end, I had started reading the whole poem in a sense. Uh, I don't know if ironically is the right word. 
but i had started reading it as as being an act of provocation rather than an act of prescription so he, i don't really think i i disagree i i don't think he's prescribing violence i think he's just provoking us to react to these undeniable realities that as somebody has pointed out are, are happening that's what i think anyway so so he i have a point here suppose if that is your intent your intent is to provoke and but it is very easy for people to quote your language especially when you are powerful and when you are a leader and you are leading politics so quote your language and engage in these activities and say our leader has told us to do so so that is very easy to follow his language verbatim for people who are possibly of not his intellect uh, well, so, i i i must i must, i must gently disagree there because i think that uh, readers are are more uh, intelligent than we sometimes give them credit for i'm not talking about readers of poetry i'm talking about taking these lines out of context and in public if i am a if i am a political activist and not a reader of poetry i can always take two lines out of this and i can make a big issue that you know a political leader has said our leader has said us to do so i can this happens all the time people take out two lines out of some scripture out of some document out of some mythological context and they create a few roar out of those things one or two lines i have not even read the complete text I absolutely, I absolutely agree with Tapanya. I mean, if we don't know the fact that this is Nandev Dasal, this is Dalit activist, and this sort of rage is going on towards uh, the oppressed, uh, you know, somebody could just appropriate this these lines. You know, somebody, for instance, who believes in the Manasmriti or who is an RSS person, you know, who advocates for the suppression of women's rights. uh uh you know and just put it into that context and and you know that would become a slogan his slogan yeah and it would become a very powerful slogan of hate against women absolutely no so, i am not denying that possibility i am saying i did not read it in that way yeah because we here are reading with respect to poetic parameters we are trying to read his poetry so that way we started with that also so also we know the identity of the person we know that this yeah. is not dibasal Yes, you know we know that he, that he's a Dalit. We know that he's come up from extreme hardship. Uh, we also we also know that yeah, I mean he is probably yeah most likely speaking up for the downtrodden for the uh, you know especially when he brings about that manhole sewer line. You know why does he do that? Because yes. because why? Because because every almost every you know manhole cleaner is, is belongs to Dalit community. Absolutely. Yeah. and and then he's talking when he's talking about push, pushing all those philosophers inside that yes you know he's he's telling them that you know what's what's the what's the use of your bloody grand philosophies your books your libraries your institutions you know you all belong when a man in today's society is allowed to you know die uh, you know get into those toxic pits you also deserve to be there no also he's he might also be pointing out to the fact that knowledge also is rooted in violence the acquisition of knowledge the generation of knowledge mm. can also be in a sort of violence that a lot of that there is a lot of violence involved in the creation of a lot of knowledge yeah in translation too isn't it yes absolutely yeah so uh, so uh, i like to i like to pose a question to devamshi since devamshi knows italian literature so well 
So it's generally said that Dante's work did use a, a dialect of Italian, which is like is like a vernacular. I don't know a dialect of the Italian that is that is like quote unquote subaltern, and that was a very pivotal uh, innovation that he brought in that revitalized Italian language. So this is kind of true uh, true in Malayalam poetry, true or uh, in two uh, from the uh, era of modernity. Before modernity, the the, uh, the language of poetry used to be far very far from the day to day language of communication it was only after modernity that you know the language has come down to the uh, to the parlance of the common man so think, do you have some thoughts on it maybe maybe that you know like uh, as time evolves there will be more dasals namde dasals in every language is that something we can hope to or is it more intrinsically intrinsically linked with you know declassing a language you know, more dasals in various languages declasses that language declass declass is like make it accessible to the man on the streets any thoughts yeah i think that in, in the case of dante it's interesting because dante um i mean at first when he when he did write um you know he it was it was latin which was considered to be the superior language and italian was the vernacular but over the years it's it's dante which has become the superior language and the the model for standard italian as opposed to dialect so there are still dialects and it is him who is now um it's his work that has now assumed this position of being superior of being of, from the north of italy in particular the north of italy considers itself self righteously as more superior intellectually culturally artistically um and as people um in the sense that the south of italy is usually looked at as another race um and was uh, so i think that it's now it's not quite the opposite where um dante at first was the vernacular now he's not um and i think that for me it's more interesting to look at the works of italian women writers from the south um like elena ferrante because um with with her it was that she 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 is from naples and she is the real author is actually um the daughter of holocaust survivors and so she has been accused of not writing about the holocaust and not writing about um being jewish um and again like you know people want her to talk about that experience and only talk about that trauma but um you know she whenever she writes in her novels she doesn't say she doesn't write in dialect she says this character spoke in dialect so we are supposed to imagine the dialect and we are supposed to imagine what exactly was said in the dialect but it's not in the text itself um and that's something that people who have been making films and tv shows out of her work have been doing so that has actually promoted cinema being made completely in dialect after a very long time um that's based on her work that doesn't say um you know that doesn't have dialect just in these little moments that she talks about in her books it's always in dialect um so that has been really interesting so i think italy is a little bit more of a complicated um context to talk to talk about this issue in yeah arjun Yes yes i have uh, at this point yeah i have nothing to add so.
Chandramohan, what you are referring as language of the common man, yeah. common man speaks in various kinds of languages and there are several common men who do not speak in the language of abuse and violence that has been used. So how common man is common man's language, I mean how common man's language is to be interpreted or written, that is also a kind of you know, challenge. Breaking down from sophisticated language of poetry of the past has been done by many writers, Kautundi Kasar. So that has not happened in the way he has kind of broken it. So his statements are, I think, less belong to literature and more belong to a kind of expression towards some people, towards some section. I felt it more like expressions addressed outward to some people. That's what my feeling was. Well, Tapan, I want to correct you here because yeah. uh, you, what you just said right now, it reminds me of this famous, you know, you, you know, you've seen this recent Manto with uh, 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 Nandita Das? Huh? Nandita Das' movie? Sadiki? Yeah, yeah, the Pakistani series, no? Manto. Yeah, 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 Manto, where there's this famous argument that, uh, you know, Faz says that, Faz Ahmed Faz, is yeah. of course, he's not the great poet. Yes, yes. Right, and Manto is writing, Manto is the first to use this sort of language about the partition, you know, we talk about yeah, rape yeah. in, in in such raw context, yeah, right? Yeah. Right about urinals, you know, all these things. And then this guy said exactly what you said in a way, right? I mean, Faiz said that. Uh, I don't particularly find this offensive, but I will not consider this as literature. As literature, either. Yes, that was oh, literature. It sort of reminds me of what you said. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying expressions in literature have been of many times. Even if you talk about Manto, since we talked, he spoke about common language. But his language was not laden with this kind of uh, I mean, expletives or violence. He was depicting violence to the poor. You know, people getting, uh, young girls getting raped and abandoned and sh getting shaken about that rape. Handi Ghosh, I mean, if you read Mando's stories, because I did, I've read right, the, so, But the, the violence was included in the plot itself. Yes, and it is violence is coming as you as an observer and you're shocked. Exactly. Course, and you're shocked. I mean, it shocks you. This particular statement, I mean, this particular poetry, I mean, since I do not, or perhaps, uh, let's say, belong to Dassel's I mean, way of thinking or poetry, it doesn't shock me. It tells me, okay, it is offensive. Somebody has just tried to, like, you know, you're walking on the street, some hoodlum comes and starts abusing you for no reason. And kind of, that kind of, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't kind of, uh, you know, shake me from the core. Because I have not read him before, and it's last few days I have been reading about him and his poetry. It has not kind of shaken me, kind of given me some kind of uncomfortable hours. Monto does that. He gives you uncomfortable hours after reading. Hmm. So, so what's your visceral reaction to this poem? My my reaction was, as I said, for a long time people have not heard you. I mean, somebody in the chat room mentioned that when the eunuchs kind of disturb you. They are, they are not only clapping for, they are just bringing you to kind of, I mean, they are bringing your attention to them. So this poetry seems to be an expression to gain attention that was, we also write, we also kind of, we are equally competent and look here. So this poetry seemed more like that, that look here. And the last line seemed like, you know, sort of, okay, I'm justifying this because all this violence, so I'm writing some four lines and I've justified this whole thing. So last lines actually did not seem very appealing to me. So that was my you know, reaction at, to this poem after reading up to the 
um what about the translation qualities how good a translator was chitre you know uh, of course i mean we as we assume that you know of course the vernacular of the english version itself is this way you know the vernacular would be far far more powerful but are some phonetic elements getting missed out is there some sort of a rhyme rhythm that is getting lost here uh because that sort of a musicality could also explain why he has used certain words uh and why he has you know uh, written the poem the way he has done why he has chosen those words so how 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 well does it work in translation that that word and also arjun i was also wondering how close is a translator in experience to the writer itself because uh, oh. in tamil there is a translator lakshmi homstrom she translates uh, bama she translates ashokamitra in different genres um, and um, so how close should one's experience be is it an objective thing is it uh, uh, just your felicity in two languages is it a job that you do as a translator or is there something more that you have to bring uh, when you translate because she translates sangam uh, poetry also she translates uh, uh, dalit uh, literature as well she uh, about the uh, muslim exactly uh, women's experience you mentioned a uh, and i intend to order it soon uh, but there is one difference between sangam poetry and dalit right because sangam is historical so there is a sort of separation from that uh, but you know when you're dealing with something that's happening you know the sort of atrocities that's happening in the present day uh, then you know obviously you are affected by it uh, but how the, the person you are in the privilege you are in it depends on uh, how you are affected by it. so i don't so, so those chitre i mean i did not think chitre was dalit was he no i think he is brahmin yeah 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 is a, yeah. Uh, is a trained poet you know is from literature is a trained poet and he was in company of some of the greatest bilingual poet yeah yeah and he was in company of some of the you know best translators in the world i mean because he helped translate the poetry of ghazal to germany to german so not with, with a translator who is quite famous i was reading up about uh, that other translator with whom chitra used to collaborate for international translation so he is a accomplished translator but music of the original language of the way the original tonality has been used i was just listening to youtube because this poetry of marathi is not available in text i could not find it quickly so i was just listening to the youtube recital of this poetry in marathi and the sounds are definitely striking they are quite different from how you read in english exactly so then there's more of a purpose here than just to shock or something there is something of a musical quality and there is something of his own craft that's definitely going on though he's untrained but you know, a lot of untrained poets have craft have uh, rhythm have musicality uh, you know naturally with that that's one of the gifts of you know natural poets yeah all the bounds have that bounds do that they are not trained but they do that hmm yeah there was another another interesting uh, observation in uh, in uh, this preface uh, dilip chitre wrote about dasal's collection the the uh, the interesting anecdote is this so uh, so uh, like uh, one day um, uh, dasal shows up at 
Chitra's residence, and he says, "I have this collection of poems. It's Dr. Golpita." And there's a guy Tendulkar. I think his name is. Uh, there's a writer whose surname is Tendulkar. Now he has written the of a forward, and I have approached a particular press. Vijay so, Tendulkar. Vijay Tendulkar. Yeah, Vijay Tendulkar. Yeah, very famous playwright. Like shocked because that press is like a Sanghi press. This as the press is like you know something that is affiliated to the Saffron uh, Brigade. And you know he he just uh, he just amazed that uh, a poet of um, you know Namdev Dasar's leaning lineage as a kind of political uh, fervor uh, has no qualms in giving his debut collection, which is so powerful, to a Sanghi press. I don't know if uh, it was eventually published by them, but that shows like how the literary work and the person are different. And someone rightly pointed out in our group that uh, the many flaws of the person are revealed in. Revealed when? Will Suhit know when was this? This poetry was first published in what kind of journal? Will Suhit know? Anybody know? Uh, I don't know which kind of journals he was published in. For oh, this particular poem, this one. No, no, this particular poem I don't know about which okay. which uh, it was published in. But uh, I would not be surprised if uh, a lot of Dasar's poems appeared directly in book form, because I, I mean, at this point, I'm merely engaging in uh, conjecture. So please take what I say with a grain of salt. But what I think is that I would not be surprised if a lot of Dasar's poetry came out originally in book form, simply because the establishment was so opposed to his kind of writing. Yeah, and it was usual also in those times. Kind of people used to write books of poetry, and it was yes. in Bengali also. A lot of people, of course, it came out in journals, but a lot of people wrote for making books. It used to write. Also, like uh, it's generally said that you know these kind of poets had their debut, like their uh, initial, uh, you know, their poems uh, uh, had seen the light of the day. You uh, initially in little magazines. Yeah. Yeah. which which were probably never preserved or like maybe archival material doesn't exist or they they were like you know so unorganized sort of a sort of way and that retained their subversiveness the yeah. fact that they will they will not get ads from i don't know big uh, big firms so that they get you know regularly they can pay 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 the printer so as a result the fact that uh, you know they don't have enough money and they like they regular that gave them the subversive edge but my question is Where have all the little magazines gone? Well, in Bengal, also I can echo with that. In Bengal, most of the prominent poets of certain times have started with little little magazines, and they actually kept the little magazines alive. And that culture is still there. There are a lot of lot and lot of such unknown magazines where such such kind of poetry can be published. I mean, in recent times, you know, recent times, I think about a few months back. in uh, jadavpur university uh, i mean in bengal there is now a poet or whatever you call him he basically makes uh, fun of tagore's songs so tagore is like a religious teacher in bengal so he breaks down tagore songs and adds abuses to it adds absolutely colloquial abuses to tagore's song and sings them again so he has caused an outrage and there is an outrage in bengal that how can you do this and that is very popular in universities like jadavpur university and other shanti niketan and other places among students which is getting hard getting popular whatever so yes you are right 
little magazines have controversial where have they gone i have not know but yes there are a lot of people who are still pursuing that at least in bengal i think now little magazines in the vernacular are still i mean there's still some presence of little magazines in the vernacular in india but little magazines in english uh they have largely faded out and and uh, i don't think it i think it deserves a separate session to discuss why it happened uh because i think you know, mostly for the you know bombay school of poets and and uh, uh you know a few like chandra baga which was put out by jayant mahapatra um there were there were not nearly as many and and i think one of the reasons uh i th- i think is how you know english poets approach you know indian english poets approach poetry as opposed to how um, you know why it's popular with the uh, vernacular readers because uh you know for them it's it's, it's uh, something that uh, it's truly the the way they enjoy poetry might be truly transformative in their daily lives uh it might truly speak to their anger it might uh, um you know give them a lot of nourishment which is not found you know which which the english reader you know it uh, does not really um, enjoy i mean i'm what i'm trying to say is i'm muddling it up i mean a lot of people are trying to write in english you know uh, a lot of them don't read in english or but the, they don't really read much at all uh but i'm not sure in the vernacular of people who read readers are necessarily poets i don't i don't think that's the case at all um yeah, you are right you are right a lot of people read who do not write yeah exactly they 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 do it because they enjoy it you know yes, they do yes. it uh, because they thoroughly uh, you know maybe for whatever reasons i don't know the reasons are multifarious and complex i'm sure um uh but in bengal especially i know that i've heard that you know in bengali poets are considered as rock stars you know there's this line waiting in these literary festivals you know to buy their books yeah, it's very different the culture in bengal is compared to anywhere else in the country where poetry yeah. is concerned so several poets have become singers and finally they have succeeded a lot in about last 20 years one mm. of them have become big names and so one of our popular celebrities are people like joy goshami so mm. is just a poet joy goshami has got no other identity but mm. one of the biggest celebrities in bengal mm. uh i think in that way even uh, tamil poetry to an extent and even malayalam poetry i mean uh, to an extent what, what what do you think uh, cs yeah uh, about uh, about the reception of malayali poetry i mean malayali small presses how are they how are they faring Uh, actually uh, uh, in contrast to english malayali malayalam poetry does sell um, popular poets exactly, have their book right that they, was that's my point yeah, they do sell they do sell there are people mostly malayalam poetry books like every year there are editions of popular poets published in uh, malayalam it, it's only in english that you know poetry doesn't sell publishers don't want us etc everywhere everywhere yeah. why is that yeah. yeah that's 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 a question that deserves a separate debate by itself i think yeah. we should think about this question Uh, even in tamil i think poetry by kutti revathi poetry by salma you know poetry by a lot of people vivekan mentioned today you know they sell a lot they sell uh, there is you know uh, there is this but, but in, when it comes to english there is a clear clear division between fiction and poetry yeah very uh, much very and there is no question 
and there are there are now small presses as such. Uh, you know, the very many. The, there used to be one called Little Magazine. There used to be one called uh, Indian Literature. Uh, all these have more or less faded away. You know, Chandrabaga has had a revival, but it's it's not really doing. You know, greatly. It's not it's not Mahapatra is running it again. It's somebody else is running it again. Anyway, I think we are digressing from the topic. So to get back to Dasal, um, mm -hmm. yeah, the popularity of his work in in those small presses. I mean. Um, uh yeah as opposed to you know feed i mean i'll let you speak to that now i mean i'll, I'll, I'll just i was just giving a i was just making a small di you know diversion to mm -hmm. the no but your your observation on like uh, the need for a, a small press quote a quote unquote uh, either a small press or a, a little magazine as we call it little magazine which doesn't have this proper funding and who cannot run very regular issues etc they seem to have been the live breaks they have been the very life sustaining force of poets like dasal in their beginning in their when they were debuting but mm. they don't seem to exist today you know a typical young poet in uh, marathi doesn't feel any kind of alienation from any kind of uh, magazines like it's not that you know he'll be like a paria whatever he'll be like outcast so such a such a uh, social milieu doesn't exist in kerala so yeah like even youngsters who make a buzz around themselves they get them profiled on the cover page the most uh what is it most uh, popular or the most uh, prestigious literary magazine like madhubumi weekly in kerala mm -hmm. so there is no need to break some kind of uh, eyes or something for a new writer to break in and there is no uh, like i don't know, I don't know like and, uh, and, and and that's why i also think that you know the the, the quality of english poetry is uh, uh it's, it's very different it's it's, it's uh, refined or um you know they don't really associate the the metaphors the symbolism the they feel that everybody feels that they need a literature education to understand english poetry that itself is a barrier and uh, also you know even in tamil nadu there are magazines like kumudam and so many other small magazines which you can buy in street stalls for uh, 50 rupees uh, i'm sure shivakami ma'am or uma would be knowing about these magazines they're there everywhere and within these magazines you can find poems you know just short poems here and there you know after a short after a short story you know a poem uh, so so poetry is there in the popular culture in the vernacular it's been there in lots of languages um it doesn't exist only in english huh oh, apart from english apart from english apart from yeah. english english has never enjoyed that kind of a popularity in fact uh, nowadays because of the internet i think there is a huge explosion of uh, you know more exposure to in indian english poets but otherwise you know very few people here i mean like who were talking about ak ramanujam you know who really made it on the international scale we are talking about mahapatra um you know even jusavala and all are not known abroad uh, that much uh, no 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 it's ke kidarwala you know uh, of course aga shahid ali yeah he is very known big Okay. I believe so, uh, the uh, Gazal is huh? well known in America. Major poets have attempted Gazal. Uh, there is a very it's well known. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, can I raise a question regarding this issue that you are uh, just talking about? Uh, yeah. See, uh, uh, it, it is. I completely agree with Arjun that uh, English poets do not seem to have a readership, uh, and uh, like generally tends to be not very well known. 
but at the same time all these vernacular poets who have a very strong uh, readership at the uh, uh, at the at, uh, uh, at the at the vernacular level uh, gain international readership through english translations uh, like if english translation of vernacular poetry can uh, capture international imagination why is english poetry itself failing to do so is a question i wanted to you know throw into the mix why is english poetry i forgot the last part why is english poetry uh, written by indians failing to do so if vernacular uh, translations of uh, english translations of vernacular poetry can capture global imagination why is that not happening with spell out an example of uh, vernacular translation of english poetry capturing like, global imagination uh, like the sel himself who oh, who's Uh, oh, okay, who, beca- okay, okay. who became an international figure through English yeah, translation? Sunil right? Gangopadhyay in Bengali, Sunil Gangopadhyay is there, who has been translated a lot in English, and as a kind of romantic. So there is this introduction by Arundhati Subramanian in uh, for the Sahitya Academy anthology. So A. J. Thomas had edited 21st century, 21st century uh, Indian English poetry special issue, edited by A. J. Thomas, and the uh, the introduction, lengthy introduction, is by uh, Miss Arundhati Subramanian. She says like. Uh, Indian English poetry hasn't reached its full mo- full noon yet. She has this phrase: Indian English poetry hasn't reached its full noon yet, but we are at 9 a.m. So maybe there is something to it. Hello, uh, can I be heard? Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. While Ashwin is ra- raising this issue, there is one other thing uh, about visibility of certain vernacular. Uh, poets or writers through translation. Uh, we get to uh, read. Uh, um salma we get to read ambai we get to read uh, a whole range but there are a whole lot of others who are writing who are very popular at the vernacular level they are published there are various printing uh, houses uh, publishing them um but so english translating into english brings that visibility so mm. that itself is sort of a little political i mean uh, we are talking about english readers uh, i mean indian uh, writers in english not having readership but even bringing readership for regular writers there is uh, something very political i mean the visibility that english enables translating into english enables there is uh, something more to it as well that's true that's true No, because I think there is some amount of what should I say exotic nature or exoticity. I don't know what is the right word. When West sees a vernacular translated, it is like Salam Bombay. So you see it with that spectacle. You see it with some kind of uh, as if it's exotic. So the translations also kind of work well in the West of any vernacular Chinese or whatever any of any vernacular language. instead of indians writing in english which is their parent i mean which is their language so that acceptability is less as compared to translated work in the west also that's what i have observed uh, perumal murugan i mean he has been writing in tamil is published so many books in tamil so now as though translating i'm bringing him to a larger arena legitimizes his voice so i mean there is some something very problematic about that Why? What is? Hello. So uh, since the time is closing almost, uh, Chandramohan, would you like to summarize? Uh, yeah. 
so maybe like poetry, Tuffel's poetry in what is your interpretation? So we'll all be silent. We'd like to hear from you. Listen to you about. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's like. Uh, so I think uh, most of the time when I think of Dasal, so I'm I'm mostly very honestly, uh, you know, I question myself the, exactly the question that Smita uh, Ma'am just uh, raised, which is like, when will Indian English poetry have that kind of robustness to have that, you know, that uh, some kind of uh, poetry from the gut sort of thing? You know, uh, I always, uh, you know, I always uh, like uh, look for that holy grail. Indian English poetry for some for that kind of poets to emerge, you know, uh, who capture us uh, via the aesthetics of poetry, also via the nuanced political understandings. Yeah. If there is anything else, one or some of you would like to add after that, we can close it. I think one of the major questions that has been uh, risen in these discussions and also in the chats constantly, something that has come up is about the aesthetic. Like, um, I, I think uh, we should pro possibly be thinking about how the, um, like, what is the aesthetic uh, mode of uh, Indian poetry in English? Uh, like, as, uh, as readers and writers and critics of Indian English poetry, it is, it is about time that we understand it a little bit better like uh, why are certain choices being made for example why are some uh, you know why is it more uh, uh, like I, I i'm not getting the right word but why is it more um, you know um, inaccessible. why huh? inaccessible yes, sergeant? Uh, not about inaccessibility. Uh, I was uh, thinking about the language. Let's say uh, how uh, Smita Ma'am was just mentioning how a poem like this couldn't be written in uh, by an Indian English poet successfully. Why is that? Like, why is um, what is that uh, preventing us from doing that? There, there is also the, lots of discussion about uh, Indian English poets not having uh, that roots because. Uh, you know, maybe Zoom is our homeland because there is no uh, place that Indian English poets call their own. There is no territory that can be assigned to these uh, people. So that that lack of uh, physical space kind of somehow uh, is impacting the way Indian English poetry is defined and perceived. And like these are the questions that you know have come across in the past few years. I've been reading about Indian English poetry and. Uh, Really, really curious uh, to, you know, take it forward. In the no, there's, one, there's one other thing, Ashwin, which you raised earlier. You said, you asked why, uh, you know, uh, these same poets when translated into English, they still, you know, uh, uh, you know, recognition than Indian poets writing directly in English by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there's, there's one very strong reason, I think, for it. Uh, I would like to go to fiction first. Like, like see. Okay, Parval Morgan is a novelist and a poet. Yeah. A novelist. Mm. That's true. Now, a lot of people have told me that. He's not considered a very good novelist at all. But the minute the controversy happened, mm. and this happened very close to my hometown, you know, about uh, 50 kilometers from my hometown. Okay. Okay. And uh, it, it was, this guy belongs to my caste 
and all and and, and uh, it was okay it was because of this book called one part woman and long after the book had been written i don't know some idiot must have brought it up and then the book burnings took place and the everything took place and then he became much much more popular in the western audience now nowadays you find parimal morgan's translated works almost everywhere you know all his books yeah. are translated by major publishers and everything so there is this some sort of um uh acceptance or rejection by the masses that is very important i feel for it mm. to succeed in the west mm. by the masses so let's look at even other examples right even neruda was i mean he had to be accepted by the masses for him to be translated yeah bolanio accepted by the masses so th- their work is first read by the masses and gains acclaim by the masses right so the poetry of i, I don't know how uh, sachidanandan works in translation yeah i would like to say that he is very efficient in malayalam but very pathetic in english i would say but how but how is he received how are the translations received in english i believe they are not received favorably yeah i, I am because uh but so my opinion the quantity that, that he uh, magic that is missing not, so his yeah. english may be immaculate but is but the magic of his poetry is missing in english yeah but do western readers realize that yeah do western readers realize that i'm not i'm not sure yeah. uh, in my in my opinion he is magical in malayalam in english translation he looks plain quote unquote plain p l a i n plain so the question i'm asking is the yeah. way joy goswami like tapan mentioned enjoys an international uh, you know acclaim does sachidanandan enjoy the same sort of acclaim i doubt it you doubt it yeah okay other okay so then it might be because you know his poetry cannot be or is not amenable to translation what if the most poem that uh, that got him superstardom is called it's titled eluthachan edumbol which is like when eluthachan writes i don't think that is amenable to translation and that he has not uh, allowed anybody else to translate neither has he translated so the best poem as per uh, his answer word word is uh, like only to the malayalam audience okay so so basically see when in, when we talk of indian english poetry people writing in english who are our masses who is our audience it is we are writing in a privileged language exactly so, so the, the, the audience audience are the urban urban english educated people for whom english is almost their first language oh, at least i'm all wrong urban educated english people i mean english educated people who do management and other such stuff i mean it's a very limited people who actually will go and try to read even poetry i mean urban educated means get some career done so that is not yeah know, just just even among people who are english educated how many people yeah. do you encounter who actually read even books forget yeah. about novels no no among yeah. the reading public so yeah. among the reading public among the reading public again there is a fiction reading public there is a popular fiction reading public and poetry is like the creme de la creme as i say you know final yeah very very unless we are talking about you know some people we know i mean yeah bhagat or you know the, the guy who wrote the mehlwat yeah or or something that's very accessible that's what you know some day some day we can have a debate or discussion or whatever what made this girl uh, in instagram so popular it girl comes to uh, what me there is a girl not we call i mean she comes to literary festivals in india jaipur literature festival i saw her and there is a huge crowd trying to listen to her so some day one can also when that is popular 
whatever you call it but she's definitely definitely popular and uh, we will there's a se- we need to devote a separate session to this yeah, yeah. that's what that's what like to propose uh, i'd like to propose another possible reason why translations uh, seem to have this kind of appeal and power uh, to a global uh, english audience versus indian writing in english it might be that those who are writing in regional languages there's a specificity and uh, there's a there's it's very particular um they they because the focus is that much more specific i don't want to say narrow but that much more um rooted again not the best word but uh because of that there when it when it reaches another audience it uh, it is more um it touches the heart whereas when we are writing in a more generalized way in a more universal way uh, because when we are writing in english like i write only in english my audience is very muddled uh, is it an indian audience is it somebody else is it some other it's very muddled and because it's not addressed to a specific reader with that kind of sensibility that is very um well defined it becomes a little diluted or diffused uh and i've seen that as characteristic of the writing of um is of other contemporaries also so it might be that literature does appeal to us in its particularity even if we are removed from it even if uh, an indian is reading about holocaust literature uh, because it is so specific because it is so rooted in that time and that place and the tradition and that history uh yeah. that is why uh, it has that impact and it has that power uh so no, which is I perhaps have, what regional writers have, have i think you have a point that pavan maybe that's why jejuri is very well accepted in the west yes yes because yes. it has that particularity yes but is if it's more di- they for them it is exotic yeah. i yes for them it might be exotic but um but it is very very uh, it's not at all uh, you know dilute it's very very specific in its focus and its aim and it is rooted in a place and of course in its theme so it might be that uh, by having that kind of focus the work yes. develops a certain power and yeah. emotional energy identity you know in recent times in kannada literature there's a book called hacker culture and uh, this has been translated from kannada and it is Extremely popular all over the country. I mean, the vocabulary. The name, Kapan. Gajar Gocher. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gajar Gocher. Yeah, by Shanbag. Yeah, yeah. Vivek Shanbag. So, so uh, I mean, even Vivek Shanbag cannot explain properly how it got so popular. So, mm. because it is rooted, what Pavin was saying, it is, it is about a place, about some people doesn't kind of talk to, but doesn't want to represent everything under the glow. It is one story. and that is what you know is said about satyajit ray's early work of bhagat patel that became an international hit it was a bengal village a very very specific place and maybe that specificity gives its entire global appeal that you know because you don't know about that place nobody so you want to know that see it is it is the I, same sort of i mean there's this heart rending story you know very well i think the translation was very well done almost flawless and uh, the, the narratives were extremely simple there was no complex characterization over there uh, no sort of you know great experiment postmodern experimentation going on Absolutely. simple story of rags to riches 
and and the complexity of uh, you know how that changes uh, the structure of the family yeah. which is relatable very universally you know yeah. it it it's uh, it reminds us of several classic stories yes. correct deceptively simple deceptively simple. i think deceptively uh, so, simple i would say that yes so uh, like uh, uh, would you like to come would be like to come back to uh, ashwin's question how 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 do we make a judgment that you know an english poet english poet writing in india he doesn't write the kind of poetry that i don't certain poetry poets of vernacular written example the sir what do you think that is if at all that's true how many how many english i had a point how many english writing poets on uh, let's say even that are coming from rural areas are coming from slums are coming from the areas uh, i mean which can possibly identify and localize them they are pretty global characters in any case they are so that's why they are rooting somebody mentioned the word rooting is a little fragile i mean that's why they write about things which are universal and okay so you are seeing it in that light i think this uh, you know this lack of audience this lack of uh, rootedness is also what is driving us to you know uh, as as an indian poets writing in english to uh, towards a kind of poetics that appeals more to a, a, an international audience uh, and that also uh, shapes the ways in which we deal with the topics that we deal with yeah. uh, actually i think it's about 11 Hey, yeah, CS, CS. What do you? Any lasting? Uh... Yeah, yeah. So I, I like to make a lasting remark that you know, uh, Indian Indian English poets generally come from privilege, including all of us glued to the phone now. So yeah. like we lack the you know intense life experiences, burning life experiences that result the kind of poetry that we that we discussed today of the self. So that could be the reason, in my opinion. And you know, we can close it now. Maybe it's time. Okay, let's. Uh, I want to come back to that. The the because the privileges okay uh, just 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 quickly two minutes if you can give me the, because the privileges we talk about definitely we are com- comparing it to the rest of india and we are privileged over that true true but we always these novels you know they work because uh, they tell stories of people though even though they are in privilege there is suffering everywhere the bourgeois there is suffering of course it's not the sort of so basic suffering but there is enormous suffering it could be in the form of illness it could be in the form of uh, marital strife it could be in the form of the complexities of modern life it could be in the form of uh, immigration like why did uh, jumpa lahari's namesake become a worldwide bestseller it's not it's not about uh, poverty or anything it's about very you know uh, educated uh, bengali indians right why did it become a bestseller because it was a story told well about their struggles and their emotions and brought out really well so in poetry is that has is, is is that happening is that sort of uh, um you know is it is it uh, is it possible that because frankly there is very good very very good i mean i mean the 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 amount of good indian poetry in english being written today is minuscule i'll say yes. that it it's minuscule you know you every submission 80% percent 90% of the submissions i receive in my journal Have are end-rhymed English poems, which means even people who are capable of writing in English are still stuck in the mode of, you know, the the classical poets, yeah. Wordsworth and all that. So it's yeah. a very very minuscule number of people who are writing, first of all. Yeah. And now 
you know the politics of this minuscule circle is we'll have to really you know okay we'll have to get into another session totally for that and discuss Absolutely. it and i also want us to do that because i also you know we've been talking about certain changes we need to make so i think all of us here some of you um you know we all need to be the agents of this change and this sort of these sorts of discussions are very needed absolutely very important in fact uh, so so right. today's, today's uh, evening today's uh, evening yeah somebody is saying something uh, no chairman this this koshik thanks a lot for organizing the session and for moderating yeah. it yeah. we joined late because i reached late uh, yeah. but uh, i got most of the discussion thanks thanks again uh, just on your last point on uh, people writing in english or in uh, you know so called native tongues i think there will be a change go going ahead i mean i'm thinking of a couple of uh, exceptions that we have seen recently i i agree with you that uh, maybe more than the language what matters is the authenticity of experience and whether one keeps one's language uh, sort of faithful to the experience hmm. i mean the two examples i'm thinking of are uh, you know recently in assam we've seen a lot of uh, mia poetry coming up and uh, if you may have heard some of it is written in the mia dialect some are written in assamese and some are actually written in english uh, mm -hmm. though a lot of the poets who write these would be bilingual or trilingual but some are preferring to write in english and they uh, they retain some of that raw power and uh, but that's because the experience of recent political processes has been uh, immense and deep and personal i mean the nrc and uh recent uh, sort of processes of marginalization have been uh, very personal so if it gets that personal i think then you can switch between languages and say something very genuine Absolutely. i've seen that in a lot of the poets uh, poems i've read uh, in english and assamese uh, among the mia poets and uh, some related poets uh, another that comes to mind is meena kandasamy uh, but of course that's also another discussion about fiction i mean in uh, but i think that also captured some of but you'd be more well versed in you know dalit writing and translations and in english and uh, how well that captures uh, the sufferings and the discrimination anyway so there might be a change with demographic changes and even for english readers uh, people who write primarily in english like like us uh, i mean i believe we're also sometimes trapped in uh, trying to meet different aesthetic standards something that you know you also referred to i mean we try to meet the aesthetic standards of an imagined international reader maybe we have our own uh, even people in people positions of privilege would have their own problems that they could write about but maybe they try to strive for some standards of either an international reader or uh, tick mark sort of boxes of social justice themes Quite and they fall short yeah you know, somebody this somebody this morning shared a poem which was heading bodhuli and the translation says cow hooves dust so naturally if you do like that and it is not it is original poem written in english so if you translate it is not translation he is using the word bodhuli which is in the kind of heading and in the body he is explaining for an international imagined audience that this cow hooves dust so it becomes problematic uh, also kaushik thanks for that because i'm going to talk to one of my friends shalom who is uh, who is really um, i mean he was in the mia poetry moment i don't know you know shalom right yeah shalom sir yes yes yeah yeah so i'll ask shalom to maybe conduct a session on mia poetry by itself yeah. so
so this evening session can be close Sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else? Last, last, last. CS. Anything you want to say? No, nothing, nothing. So it's great. Uh, thanks for the. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night to all. Excellent. Thanks.